the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We've got some great guests this week, all week long. I'm actually in uh, middle of America for a while. I'm not in Iowa. Iowa just got slighted by uh, Joe Biden. Iowa got bumped that Georgia will be first in the nation for the Democrats as they pick their presidential nominee. Uh, South Carolina will be first. Excuse me, not Georgia. South Carolina will be. And Iowa's bumped. Why is Iowa bumped? I'll say it if you won't. Far too white. Far too conservative. They got They can't have that. They can't have that if you want to pick, if the left wants to pick. It's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal what happened. may not be a big deal if they stick with Biden, but it's a big deal otherwise. We'll talk about it later. Uh, we got a lot more to talk about today. Ryan Hyde will come with us, uh, be with us in a few moments. He's the communications director where I work, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, and he's a very smart guy, savvy guy, experienced guy, very young for having all the experience he's had. We're going to talk about what uh, Trump tweeted over the weekend uh, and why the liberals' heads are exploding. That's kind of fun. Uh, we'll also talk with John Zadrozny about the disaster on the border. Zadrozny's over at America First Legal, a great guy and uh, always insightful. So we got all that coming up. But first, what you need to know today, what you need to know today, I want to walk you through something, and this will be echoes. There will be echoes of this in my conversation, I suspect, with Ryan Haidt, uh, my friend Ryan Haidt, in a few moments, But because he and I were talking about this earlier. But let me try to walk you through this uh, in terms of what what has happened in our uh, interaction with people uh, and at the public level, when liberals and conservatives battle over uh, what is going on in terms of the their principles and recusal, okay, recusal. So, what am I talking about? Well, um, you remember, and I'll go back. Let's go back in time. You remember when um, uh, Jeff Sessions was Attorney General. And when he was attorney general, there mounted a major effort to make him recuse himself because he was, they said, far too compromised on to cover to allow the Russia investigation because he had once spoken to a Russian ambassador or something like that in the days and weeks after Trump's election. And what happened was there was pressure on Jeff Sessions. He's a longtime attorney. He'd been, I think, a federal judge. He'd been a prosecutor. Maybe he was blocked as a federal judge. He was nominated as a federal judge. He was blocked. That's right. He had been U.S. attorney. He was a sitting senator. He was a well-known guy. Very People liked him. People do like him. He's an honest guy. Everybody said that. And he's a lawyer, old-fashioned lawyer. And so the pressure comes as you recuse yourself. Your principles say that when there is a conflict in what's being investigated, you cannot be compromised. You can't do that job without being compromised. Even if you're such a high-integrity person that you're not compromised, the appearance would be problematic. Okay. And after a while, Jeff says and said, you know what? That's right. I'm going to recuse myself. And for years, Trump was uh, used to yell about it because he said, if, if you didn't, couldn't see that coming and didn't know you were going to have to recuse yourself, you're crazy and you shouldn't have taken the job. Okay, so that's the first part of this, which brings us to 
Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs is the Secretary of State, Chief Elections Officer in Arizona. Katie Hobbs had a terrible time in 2020 with her state handling the elections, Maricopa County especially. Now, it wasn't all her fault. County election officials operate underneath, you know, with autonomy underneath the Secretary of State. But certainly, Arizona was not a, you know, paragon of election integrity in 2020. So here we are in 2022. She's running for governor. So she's the chief elections officer in her state. They had had trouble and they have trouble again. And the trouble is all in counties and it's all seeming to be in favor of Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs was called upon to recuse herself. Same idea. Hey, you've got principles. The principles say your ethics say if you're going to be compromised or the appearance of compromise, people don't have confidence in the system. Recuse yourself. Instead, Katie Hobbs is actively pushing and threatening county officials that they'll be indicted uh, if they don't certify the elections. This is the difference, in my mind, between the left and the right. The, the right has these rules, these ethics, and the left uses them against the people on the right, the conservatives. And this is actually a tip. I think it's a tip from, uh, if it's not a tip from um, uh, Saul Alinsky and Rules for Radicals, it's, it's a tip from uh, the screw tape letters, C.S. Lewis and, and Uncle Wormwood. Whatever it is, you use the rules of a person against them if they're rule abiders. But you see, the left is power abiders. They don't care about rules. They care about power. And so they abide by power. They don't abide by rules. And conservatives abide by rules, largely because they're people of the book and they're, they, they, they're people of, uh, of, of divine law. They already they recognize law and rules. But if you're, if, if you're ruled, if you're governed by power, not governed by rules, then you will act differently. And they do. Which brings us to the other example I'm going to point you towards. What you need to know is once you know that distinction, you start to look and see and you say, aha, watch this. So here's power. Governed by power, not rules, not ethics. Power. Power says that the select committee of the U.S. Congress that has been investigating and, and doing secret investigations and digging into people's lives and phone records and all the rest, emails, texts of January 6th and anyone related who they didn't like, all that information, they're going to finish their investigation, publish a report. And then what I, I'm telling you what they're going to do, they're going to send it over to the special counsel who's been appointed by the attorney general in the Department of Justice. I think his name is Jack Smith. Jack Smith is a prosecutor, and his wife is a rabid, le prominent left-wing Democrat supporter, and he comes out of the school of the Mueller mindset. And what will happen is Jack Smith will take all that information, and when the new Congress, the new House, with new leadership, wants to look at it, he'll say, no, no, I can't until I'm done. This is too important. National security, separation of powers. I'm the executive branch. When I'm done, you can see it. And he will he will hide. He will bury the select committee's truths so that the guys in Congress and the gals in Congress that are Republican now can't see it. Now, what you need to know is there's a way around this. And the way around it is that the people in Congress have to go and demand it and say, no, 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 no. Well, we get a copy. You can keep the originals. We want a copy or something. But here's here's what you need to know. If we do this right and we raise our voices and we make it clear that it's not acceptable, maybe Jack Smith will yield. But if we just stay quiet, he won't yield. He won't yield. He'll say, what army is going to come and what Congress send the army over that you're going to do to force me to give it to you? I'm not going to do it. And he will bury it until when? Until after the 2024 election. 
until after it matters, just like the Mueller investigation. It took so long that by the time it was done, it didn't matter what had happened. Half the country believed something happened with Russia collusion, et cetera, et cetera. And the other half didn't even remember what it was. It's a tactic, not a problem. It's, 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 a, it's the ethics of power, not the ethics of rules, not the ethics of truth. Power over truth. That's what we're facing. That's what you need to know. All right, we're going to talk with Ryan Hyde in a few moments. It'll be great to talk with him and also John Zadrozny. So hang on with me. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with Ryan Haidt. Ryan Haidt, it's been a while. Boy, Ryan Haidt is the communications director for the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. He has been involved in uh, political campaigns at the highest level. A couple of, um, Off the top of my head, I'm thinking of two U.S. Senate races, but also all kinds of local races, knows politics and knows what's going on. Of course, based in Missouri, where the great Phyllis Schlafly came from. And uh, he and I were having an exchange uh, discussing the uh, Trump tweet and I thought, I just let's get him on. He's got some great insight. So welcome back, Ryan Hyde. Also, he hosts the uh, Unauthorized Caucus, a uh, a weekly uh, video podcast that's available. What YouTube channel is it on the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles channel, Ryan? Yep, Phyllis yeah. Schlafly yeah. Eagles. If people jump on every Thursday at noon, thereabouts, every once in a while we change it up. But the reason you want to find out, you want to go to our email list, phyllisschlafly.com. Sign up for the emails there. And I'll let you know once a week when we're going to be having that if it has to move. There you go. Well, so this tweet that got a lot of attention over the weekend, uh, Donald Trump, I guess it was on his truth social network. He wrote, so with the revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception in the working in working closely with big tech companies, uh, big tech companies, the DNC and the Democrat Party. Do you throw the election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner or do you have a new election? So that's his first question. Then he writes, uh, this is Donald Trump, a massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. So as usual, the media ran with this and decided they just would call it what they want, which is Donald Trump just hates the Constitution. Uh, so, uh, you know, but you were talking about this and you're a commu- professional communications guy, Ryan. W- w- walk me through what you saw, what you heard in this uh, tweet or this truth, whatever it is. Well, first of all, I mean, wh- one of the things that you and I were covering this morning, Ed, is that there's a basic truth here. Donald Trump is a businessman and he has laid out his um, how he operates in a book called The Art of the Deal. And as we look back over his tenure as president during his first uh, first of uh, two terms of that, I feel certain, uh, as you look back over his first term, he did that over and over again. He would ask for the moon, say something outlandish uh, in the effort to get attention. It would kind of um, expand, and, and this is a phrase you brought into the conversation this morning, it would expand the Overton window of that situation, whatever it is. Now, I know a lot of people use that when they're trying to push cultural and moral bounds, but when you're asking for money from Congress and the left is going to say no to anything, he would ask for 20 times what he needed, knowing he would get more than if he started where they actually needed to ask. So when you look at something like this, um, I'm kind of instantly inclined to say, well, this is Donald Trump going out with a massive amount of bravado, saying something outlandish that everyone's good. Did he just say we should eliminate the Constitution? Well, he didn't, but he didn't not. But now it's going to get us to talk about the issue, which is 
absolutely the founding fathers would not condone well, someone and, and, just and let me, let me running amok with the system. Yeah, let me stop you, Ron, because you're making a point. The point is an important one that, that he's he's always been provocative. It's always sort of um, uh, sort of half truth. But what you said to earlier to me, I want you to repeat and, and explain. And it was something like, look, if if it is true, you don't have to agree with this, but if it is true and, and people won't agree with it on the left, especially if it is true that we now have seen evidence that there was massive uh, small C collusion with big tech and in, and, and the, uh, the Biden campaign mm-hmm. and the intelligence community and the FBI and the former FBI counsel who's now it was then at Twitter, all this stuff. You say the election was it really was rigged. What are you supposed to say? Oh, well, it was rigged. You know, what Trump is saying is you don't have to accept what they tell you. You have to accept because you think they get to set the parameters of the conversation. There are, in fact, parameters outside of that that say, look, if they if they stole your um, child away from you and they said, yeah, but we stole a child because we know better than you. You'd say, wait a second. Then the rule and, and we, we have rules that say that's allowed, which, by the way, this kind of thing happens in this country. They, they'd say, wait a second. Then the rules better be changed. Right. That That's sort of what you were telling me earlier. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, that that's what I was going to say. This this, you know, starts the conversation. I don't think that Trump was necessarily advocating for a specific thing here so much as getting people to understand what you're talking about. The the rules and the system are being broken. And as a result, you know, it's not even that the rules and the system are inherently bad, but what do we do to stop that? You can't operate inside of the rules to make the people, well, you can, but it's hard to operate inside the rules to make people who aren't obeying the rules come back inside the boundaries. And that's the interesting thing that you and I were talking about this morning that we need to bring up. Conservatives always get stuck inside the box. Um, This box is set up. Here are the rules. Here are the morals. Here are the boundaries. And I'm not advocating for throwing out morals and rules, but we always get stuck. And we're the only ones behaving inside of that box. And the left just runs amok outside the boundaries of what ought to happen. And we let them get away with it. And then when they call us on it, we come back. Oh, well, we should behave this way inside the rules. There has got to be something that we do in this country that says, no, we must stop this now. You have to be stopped from running around outside there. And extreme times call for extreme measures. Now, when I say something like that, when Trump puts up his tweet, am I advocating that we get rid of the Constitution? No, but I, something has to be done. We can't just go back to the, oh, well, they did commit fraud, but I don't know what we're going to do about it. And then we just run along with another election and another one. And then to the point that we're making, they get emboldened and the people who cheat, cheat more and they continue to break the system. Something must be done drastic to stop the drastic outside the boundaries that they're doing right now. It, it, it has to be it has to be a conversation and there has to be action that's taken. Well, and 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 so as I, I mean, it's not it's almost not even worth um, pointing out, but I will. And then we can move back to the conference. I was going to point out that, you know, this news broke over the last four or five days. Uh, I guess it was Friday before the weekend when Elon Musk published the Twitter details. And basically it's been ignored by the mainstream media. What what is clearly like the greatest uh, you know, kind of October surprise. I mean that totally seriously, seriously, in the sense that the the yes, it was a political timing of the Biden laptop was political. It was meant to damage Biden. That the October surprise was that the the media worked with uh, the uh, um, the intelligence community and big tech to stop it. That was a surprise. The surprise that we didn't get to the bottom of it. But here we are. But to your point, now now it's not a matter of uh, I, you know. I guess I'd say let's say this. It's not a matter of going back. I don't think there's a way, a path to seat another president. But if there, and, and I think this is something you said earlier too, uh, and others have said, but if you don't do something, 
before 2024, you're going to get the same result, right? I mean, in fact, in 2022, in many places, there was nothing done differently, a little bit in certain places, but generally Arizona is an example. It was an un- unclear, unauditable, lacking in transparency election. So when you're done, you're like, ah, did Hobbs or, or, or Carrie Lake win? I can't tell, but my goodness, how could they have not done something? Maricopa County in 2020 and in the early mo- uh, weeks of 2021 was a disaster. They did nothing. So if you don't do something to change the way we're thinking about what needs to be done, then you're just going to do the same thing. And frankly, the people in power are pretty happy. I was reading closely about the, uh, the, 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 <laughs> the head of the Armed Services Committee in the House, a Democrat right now, is complaining that some of his colleagues are demanding transparency on the $100 billion spent in Ukraine. He hates transparency. You're like, what kind of world are we in that the sort of uniparty is happy to have this thing go the direction? But back to your point, and, and we're talking again with Ryan Haidt, and, uh, and Ryan, uh, com. people can sign up on their email there. His, his uh, video podcast is on Thursdays at noon central, I should say. He mentioned noon. It's noon yeah. central time uh, on YouTube channel of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. But what is it that could change? You know, it, 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 because the last thing we can expect or want is sort of the the U.S. Congress to ride to our our aid. I think. Yeah. Well, and see, that's <clears throat> that's the thing is there's a lot of the the realm of what needs to happen is kind of ambiguous. Who knows? Because we're in uncharted territories. And I mean, I know a lot of people get uncomfortable because, again, it, it's the mainstream media, the whatever you want to call it, the fake news is out there very clearly beating this drum of, oh, well, Donald Trump said he's going to suspend or we ought to suspend the Constitution. That's not accurate. There are a lot of things that could be done that we're trying to work through now, having the conversation we can't be scared off from. And actually, I, I not to digress, it reminds me of uh, something you said. I think it was over it was uh, over 2020. You were talking about the fact uh, on the show, I think, Ed, that that this was we are in our 1776 moment. And I really think that that's actually accurate, because when you look at it, the colonists, it didn't just start as a revolution of independence or something of that nature. There was a long and laborious years that were spent sending representatives, asking the king, the crown, sending petitions, please treat us with the same dignity that British citizens are due across the globe. You are not doing that. It was not just an immediate call to arms. That came, the actual firing of the shot heard around the world came, first of all, at British aggression, but second of all, at the end of a very laborious process inside the system. And finally, it was time. That's what we're talking about. If people are behaving so badly, it's it has finally come to time for drastic measures. What does that mean? Well, let's find out. But I mean, you just you mentioned it. You knocked on the door. You said Katie Hobbs, Arizona. When this is something we touched on this morning. You look at it there. Something does not pass the smell test when the sitting secretary of state refuses to recuse herself over the very controversial election that is seating her into the governor's office. And then when county election officials say, I'm not comfortable with the process, we want to look at it again. She threatens them with felony charges if they don't just sign the dotted line and send her through to the governor's office. That's just absolutely nuts. Anyone of any political persuasion, whether you want more taxes, less, more government or less, that should not pass the smell test. That should be investigated. And in my mind, and that has nothing to do with federal. That should have the uh, the attorney general of the state of Arizona coming in and essentially between them and the governor, maybe suspending the secretary of state. Now, hold on. 
you don't get to bully counties like that, especially when they're not even being shady. They're asking for a double check. Like this is something where states are really going to have to step up. And honestly, I think that's what's going to happen across the board. Yes, we need Congress to stand up. I mean, in the situation you just mentioned, um, the uh, oh, shoot, it just flew out of my head. Oh, but in, in congressional hearings, we were talking about that this morning. So it looks like there might be some weird handoff from the and I don't want to trounce on you if you're going to talk about this somewhere else, but there's going to be this handoff from the January 6th so-called select committee. No, 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 no. now an executive. That's right. I mentioned it to Twink. Wink. Wink. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, good. Exactly. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like this, this weird handoff is going to come, and all of a sudden we're going to shift this power from a Democratic Congress because the uh, a Democratic House because the Republicans are taking over the House. We're going to shift it to the executive branch real quick, play a shell game, and make sure the Republicans can't get anything. Well, guess what? That means that Republicans need to come in and do something drastic. They need to. I don't know, slash the budget, completely freeze the budget for some federal departments and play hardball and yeah. say, we're going to take the power that's given to us inside the Constitution, but we're going to do something drastic. Uh, the states are going to take power that is due to them and do something drastic. Does it hold up the seating of a governor, maybe even the seating of a senator? Yes. But if it has to do with state election laws, I think that the state officials should come in and start you know, kicking yeah, indoors, yeah. taking names. And, and that's the kind of drastic actions that we're at. I'm not saying grab your pitchforks and march on the on the office. That's not even the way to go here. There is stuff inside the system to bulldog your way through to the truth that's not being done. But again, there's the fact of, like we said, if conservatives operate inside the lines, if we color inside the lines and the Democrats are on a whole different page, liberals right. are just doing whatever they want. That's a problem. We will always be behind and we will always get the short end of the stick and they will always continue to run away with more and more power and control because we don't look at it and say hold on hold on stop and let's you know do something about this yeah that's exactly that's what ryan heights our guest uh uh we're out of time ryan but that's exactly the, the point here is that when trump tweets like that and he goads the media into a conversation in one direction and and, and here's the last thing i'll say on you, you echoing something i've heard you talk about there's a whole bunch of people in the country, forget about whether they're voters or not. They're just citizens. Whether they vote or not, I guess it matters. But they look up and they say, that guy's actually fighting for my side. Like, he's not playing the usual BS like, oh, just concede, give a nice speech and go on with your life. Because Trump knows, I tell this all the time, he's dealt with the mob. It, meaning not the mob, small M, the mob and mafia. He knows you don't, you don't. And the mob, mafia, know you don't cut a deal with these people. And if you do, you're either beholden forever or they come get you later anyway. So it's, it's, uh, it's a perfect example of, of kind of him, uh, making people get further out into the conversation in a way that's meaningful and, and, and necessary. All right. I got to run. Uh, Ryan Hyde, everybody go to philosophically.com. Check out his unauthorized caucus also. And, uh, we'll talk again soon, Ryan. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Ed. All right. We'll take a break. Everybody will come back. I'll put up on uh, social media the um, uh, website uh, again and uh, check it out. It's good. It's fun. Great uh, comment. Great communications pro, Ryan Height. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And it's time to catch up with our old friend, John Zadrozny. He is over at America First Legal. If you go to America First Legal, it's aflegal.org, aflegal.org. John is the uh, Deputy Director of Investigations and a uh, good guy to check in on. I got an email on some of what he's been investigating. I said I need to talk to him about it. So well, welcome back, John. How are you? I'm great, Ed. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, it's good to have you. So, um, 
people, I, I had Todd Benzman on, you know, Benzman, of course, is down on the border a lot. And Benzman said, I asked about the election. He said, well, it certainly seems like the Biden administration has taken the, you know, the modest defeat that they took as a, an indication that they should not stop doing everything they've been doing, especially on the border. And so he said, you know, it's only a couple weeks till Title 42 expires and uh, and even the problems on the border will get even worse. So, John, first, remind us what this means when title 42 expires what does it mean practically what does it mean under the law i mean what where, where are we on this yeah so ed uh for for uh, background purposes when you hear someone say title 42 that's just a quick reference to title 42 of the united states code and there's a provision in the u.s in that title that authorizes uh federal health officials to basically shut down borders in a time of a public health crisis right. um exactly like COVID. it was designed exactly for a situation like COVID, and it allows basically the united states to turn pretty much anyone away i think there are exceptions for u.s citizens and obviously in certain emergency circumstances but they can turn a lot of people away and when the trump administration which i was a part of first started using title 42 we used it for exactly its stated purpose it was to prevent people who didn't have any health records who didn't have any visibility as to what their issues were in a time when we were trying to get our own house in order so to speak um from coming into the united states and we basically excluded an awful lot of people and um between that and the remain in mexico policy and everything else we were doing we had gotten border traffic down to, to pretty very little uh by the end of 2020 well obviously the biden administration wants an immigration crisis and they want a broken border. It's a policy. It's not a failure. Uh, and so they are. They have been sort of kind of enforcing that Title 42 restriction. They'll tell you they are. Um, but for two years, basically, they kind of haven't been. Um, they might exclude people here and there, but they've, they've put so many exceptions into it that it's essentially Swiss cheese. And then the court came along. Um, they tried to get rid of it. As a reminder, the executive branch can get rid of it. They just did it the wrong way. Uh, and then basically they, they come back now and a court has said that um, in, in a different litigation that you they have to get rid of it. Now, right. to me, the, the funny part about this, that the federal government was in court fighting it, asking for a delay. There are always elements in the federal government that are seeking to delay certain things. And uh, they got a few more weeks out of it. The bottom line is it's going to end and it's going to end, I believe, on December 21st. Um, now, what that basically means is there will be no Title 42 exclusions anymore. So it's an even further incentive for people to come. There will be no public health exclusions anymore. Um, and you're just going to see an increase in the, the numbers, which are already substantial, by the way. I mean, the reality is, I don't know if you know these numbers, Ed, but I saw these yesterday and they, my eyes well, bugged out of my head. To, before, I want to hear the numbers, but I want to ask you about uh, something in an email you sent me. Yeah. It says that the D Biden's DHS is under court order to provide information about the total number of alien border encounters, expulsions uh, and releases. Is that the numbers you mean? And is the Biden administration being compliant? Because we are. I'm not hearing the numbers. You're about to tell me but is that the, what you're talking about i think these might be the numbers because um i saw them in the in in the connection with this story whether or not these are in a court filing i don't know but this has been the big question right ed how many people has the biden administration through its policy not failure led into the country illegally and uh, we've only been able to get drips and drabs you know border numbers but uh, rather border patrol numbers are spotty but here's what i saw yesterday uh in fiscal year 2021 so that means from basically october of 2020 until september of 2021, um, the Biden administration's DHS recorded uh, one point, approximately 1.7 million um, apprehensions. Now, what that means when they say apprehensions, what that means is 
they let him in. <laughs> you know, right. they give him a cookie and a bus ticket. Uh, they're not really being apprehended in the sense that we did with a, a turnaround to their home country. Um, so 1.7 million. Now, that's a giant number, but that was just FY 2021. In FY 2022, which was from October of 2021 until this past September, the number is 2.3 million. So just the number of aliens that they, quote unquote, apprehended, which really means led into the United States, uh, is 4 million. 4 million in the last two years. Now, it's important to remember that does not include non-apprehensions. We, there are a couple of phrases that uh, the immigration community uses. You'll hear the term gotaways. Right. Um, those, are, those are people who were pursued but eventually evaded detection. Um, I don't have that number in front of me, but that's hundreds of thousands, um, at least over the last couple of years. And you've got to figure there's this other group, which is the group nobody wants to talk about, and the Biden administration certainly doesn't want to talk about it, which is the unknown number, the number of people who come in in camouflage wearing, you know, carrying rifles and rucksacks in the middle of the night and are never encountered by law enforcement at all. And that number's got to be at least um, at least hundreds of thousands also. So, you know, four million is the number they're telling you. So think about the number that it actually is, and it's got to be substantially higher. This, by the way, Ed, is in addition to what's probably more likely what was already a, probably a population and the legal population in the country, about 20 million people. Uh, so, so we're talking with John Zadrozny and John is over at America First Legal, uh, AFlegal.org. Uh, he's a, a, he's the uh, d- deputy director of investigations, digs into this stuff. Um, John, I'll ask you the question I've asked uh, others about this is that it, it is so dramatic. And, you know, if you think back to um, the 2015-16 period, the Kate Steinle murder over in San Francisco, where she was killed by an illegal uh, illegal alien, um, and it caught the attention, and then maybe I'd say it better, it caught the imagination of the American people. You didn't have to explain what the threat was. We're having a problem getting, I think, getting people to understand the reality. I mean, you don't, and this is true, you don't see homeless um, uh, El Salvadorans. They're not, they're not, you see other people homeless in Washington, D.C. or in San Francisco. And somehow the people in this country are not realizing, uh, I, I think you alluded to this, that there's a, they're, they're bringing in uh, uh, people, enough people that would be, a, a, if it were a state, it would be bigger than Delaware, where Biden is from. It'd be bigger than Wyoming, Vermont, Alaska, North and South Dakota. I mean, it, this is dramatic, but uh, the imagination of the American people is not capturing this. Yeah, and I, I've wondered about this quite a bit, too, because obviously when you, you focus on an issue or a subject matter every day, of course it's a problem. It's the most important thing. And right. then when people don't think it is, you wonder why. And I think it's because most Americans don't live in a universe where they encounter the fallout of this on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, I've been to Texas. I've been to the border. and I've been to the border more times than the Biden administration has in Texas and Arizona <laughs> and so on. Right. And uh, what you find there is it does impact those communities. They do vote a certain way. They do function in a certain way because it is very real to them. You know, I, I try and put it this way. I say, imagine if your home, you know, your neighborhood, wherever you live, um, in, every morning at 930 in the morning, a large group of people you don't know shows up and stands on your lawn waiting for the Border Patrol to pick them up. And your property is essentially a federal a drop point for uh, human traffickers to drop their wares off and give them to the federal government. Uh, and your lawn's destroyed and there are strangers all over the place and you don't feel safe having your grandkids over. Um, and then that's just the morning. And at night, you see guys in camouflage with rucksacks and rifles walking across your property. 
That is what gets to people. Most people don't ever see that. The reality is what they're doing is the people who do see this in the border communities, uh, the federal government is picking them up, taking them to fully federally funded nonprofit organizations who then put them on planes and buses and distribute them around the country. And unfortunately, if they go to a place where there's lawlessness, like in a lot of these big cities where they don't take crime seriously anymore and crime is skyrocketing, um, there's certainly if these people are committing crimes, they're certainly not going to be addressed. Um, and it's just even if they're not committing crimes, they're putting a strain on resources. And people don't see that Ed, unless they're yeah. really enmeshed oh. in that activity. They don't see it. So the question is and, and, and so the question I have is, how do you help um, people see it when the media doesn't want it to be seen, too? That's a problem. Right. So, again, we're talking with uh, John Sadrasny, uh over America First Legal. And, um, you know, we were talking offline before we started about um, some guys, um, two, two gentlemen who are attorneys working over in the oversight committee. Uh, committee or in the I don't know in the US House uh, on the Republican side so now these got these um, members uh, Republican members will be in charge of the oversight committee and the subcommittees and all is that the way we can try to get the sort of uh, public's imagination engaged I mean maybe I mean I'm saying it hoping but I mean it, you know it's it's certainly not going to happen through you know frankly Tucker Carlson's show he's the only one a few others that cover it and it's covered as sort of a wow look at that but meanwhile we go back to uh, you know 17 hours of coverage on who ate in the Donald Trump uh, clubhouse in, in, in Florida, right? So I, I guess that's our best hope is sort of some kind of uh, bully pulpit used to help people understand it. I sure hope so, Ed. I have to confess, though, I'm a little bit skeptical. I mean, for what it's worth, uh, to, to their credit, many Republican members of Congress have been pounding the table uh, proverbially and literally in hearings on this issue, talking about it, bringing it back up, stressing the importance of it and, and of Secretary Mayorkas's failure uh, and other Biden administration officials' failures. Uh, they're going to keep doing it. I sure hope they will. They will now have gavels and the hearings will be about these things. So it'll get a little more coverage. I just think the problem is like people don't see it in their lives. Um, and I worry the thing that really worries me, Ed, and I know it worries a lot of other people like Todd and people in the national security universe, uh, is that the people who are coming in, they're not all wonderful people looking for a better life. Um, right. We can have a different conversation about good people who shouldn't. They are not technically qualified for asylum, but they probably are not awful people. And they just figured, what the heck? I can't say that if I lived in des you know, a destitute situation in a foreign country, I wouldn't be trying to get in with my family. But I would also understand if they threw me out because countries get to do that. Um, what I'm worried about are the people we don't know about and the people who don't want to get caught. Keep in mind, it's such a permissive environment. When you've got the federal government basically saying, we're going to help you get processed and we'll give you that bus ticket and that cookie. Uh, when the people aren't turning themselves in, you have to ask yourself why. And when it's a large number and when you have video footage of them wearing camouflage, carrying weapons, walking like military units in single file, there are terrorists in there. Uh, there are people who are criminals in there, probably mass murderers and other very dangerous people. And I worry we're not going to notice until something happens. Either, you know, we talked about Kate Steinle. One of the nobles children is going to get killed, so to speak, like a senator's son or a governor's daughter is going to get murdered. And all of a sudden, the nation's going to be made to care. I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to be the reason that happens. Or on an even grander scale, I hope it doesn't happen, but a terrorist attack. And all of a sudden, we're right back where we were in 2001 saying, how did we get here? And we're having a conversation about literally inviting people in. You know, if you, Ed, if you ever get a chance, um, go talk to the Border Patrol agents when they're not on duty and they don't have to give you the dog and pony yeah, that yeah. the administration wants you to. And what they'll tell you is 
there are an awful lot of people from all over the world. So the Biden administration wants to make it seem like it's just really poor, really nice people from Central America. But it is people from the Middle East and other places, including China, including Iran. And one, one story I remember in particular from a Border Patrol agent, he said, you know, we'll all the time. We all speak Spanish. You have to speak Spanish, basically, to fluent Spanish to be in the Border Patrol these days. And uh, most of them do. And many of them are Hispanic heritage. And he was saying, yeah, you know, and we have this thing where we just will chat with the people. And sometimes you get, you know, two, three sentences into a conversation in Spanish. And then you realize that, that guy doesn't speak Spanish. And a lot of the times that language is Arab mm-hmm. uh, or Farsi. And so that's real. And that's happening. And you know, do we have to watch the Sears Tower fall to figure out that this was a bad idea? I really hope not. And I think maybe people will start paying attention. But um, let's just see what the Republicans can do in the next Congress. I think the next thing they need to start doing is um, it's not just about, you know, the dog and pony show of congressional hearings. Those are great for drawing attention. But they're going to have to start depriving the federal agencies like DHS of money for not doing their jobs. All right, John Zadrozny. I don't know. It's not. I'm not very. Um, I'm not very uh, optimistic. But uh, I think uh, keep digging uh, in. America First Legal is uh, where John Zadrozny is working as the deputy director of investigations. Uh, you can go again and check it out at aflegal.org. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of there there. And uh, that, what a way to celebrate the. Uh, it's called. I just looked it up because I'm, I've been trying to teach my kids this. The 21st of December is the first last the, the day, the pivot day of winter. So it's the hibernal solstice, John. So they'll be celebrating in Stonehenge and at the border as the border opens up on the southern border completely and at Stonehenge there's I don't know, uh, dedicating to some sort of strange god but there you have it. Alright, thanks John for the time. Thank you so much Ed. Take care. Right, we'll talk soon again. John Zadrazny everybody. We will take a break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. As the people of Georgia go to the polls today in a runoff election, as many as 20 top Republicans have reportedly been targeted by Democrat prosecutors in Fulton County, Georgia, a county that voted three to one for Biden in the last election. They've been targeted for specious allegations of racketeering and conspiracy that are part of an arsenal in this and other political prosecutions that are being unleashed against Donald Trump and his advisors. Fulton County prosecutors misled the United States Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit by pretending that the signatures on the Georgia mail-in ballots were twice verified. Instead, as confirmed in data posted by the nonpartisan Ballotpedia, Georgia opened the floodgates to mail-in ballots in 2020 without maintaining normal verification and rejection rates. Ballotpedia's table of mail-in or absentee ballots has shown that Georgia increased its allowance of mail-in ballots by more than a million votes going from 213,000 in 2016 to over 1.3 million in 2020. At the same time, its rejection rate fell from 6.4% in 2016 to a rock-bottom 0.4% in 2020. These mail-in votes were overwhelmingly for Joe Biden, without meaningful verification of their authenticity. Every percentage point reduction in the rejection rate likely meant 11,000 more votes for Biden in a state he reportedly won by only that slim margin. Ballotpedia charts all the states by the change in rejection rates of their mail-in or absentee ballots from 2016 to 2020, and Georgia ranks as the very worst in the country by this crucial measure. While having fewer ballots rejected might sound like a good thing, Such a drastic drop likely means that security measures have been compromised. 
You can believe that all this comes about by pure coincidence, but I don't have enough political faith to believe in such random occurrences. Any reasonable person would say that the numbers call for at least some oversight, yet prosecutors in Fulton County, Georgia, are determined to punish anyone who dares to question the highly questionable numbers coming from the Peach State. Sunshine is still the best disinfectant, which is why Georgia elections need more oversight. From Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin. Election fraud has the power to destroy the America we know and love. Never again can we allow an election to be stolen. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find reasonable, workable strategies for assuring the integrity of every future election. Visit phyllisschlafly.com today. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Just have less than a minute to wrap things up. Let me first say um, uh, thank you again, uh, Noah Dingley, our great producer. We do this show and uh, hops around a bit, and he's great about it. So thank you to my man, Noah Dingley. Also, thank you to Ryan Height, who was a guest today on the show. He also helps produce the show. But listen, let me say again, Ryan Height hosts a, a video uh, blog, a video podcast. That's the right word. Uh, every Thursday uh, at 12 noon Central Time, so 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. East Coast. Check it out. And you can go to phyllislaffy.com, sign up for the email there. You'll get the update. Or just go to Phyllis Laffy Eagles on YouTube. Unauthorized Caucus with Ryan Height. Very good. The kind of stuff he was talking about on the program uh, today. So check that out. All right. Thank you. As always, we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.